welcome to the most excellent 80s movies podcast. It's the podcast where a filmmaker and a comedian chase their way through the hedge maze of the 80s movies we think we love or might have missed with these our grown-up eyes to see how they hold up. This is The Shining, a movie selection from 1980, about which Google says Jack Torrance, played by Jack Nicholson, becomes winter caretaker at the isolated Overlook Hotel in Colorado, hoping to cure his writer's block. He settles in alongside his wife, Wendy, played by Shelley Duvall, and his son, Danny, played by Danny Lloyd, who's plagued by psychic premonitions. As Jack's writing goes nowhere and Danny's visions become more disturbing, Jack discovers the hotel's dark secrets and begins to unravel into a homicidal maniac hell-bent on terrorizing his family. And that's what the Google says about The Shining. I'm Chrissy Lenz, director of the Neighborhood Comedy Theater in downtown Mesa, Arizona. And with me is filmmaker. (laughs) I'm Nathan Blackwell. I'm an independent filmmaker with uh, Squishy Studios. And so, Nathan, what is your history with The Shining? Have you seen this movie a million times? Uh, so I, this, I, I would call this one of my top horror films. I haven't seen it a million times. I've probably seen it three times. Um, oh, but okay. it, it, it's, it, I, I feel like Stanley Kubrick's films are not necessarily ones you watch over and over and over again, at least for me personally, like they have to have a certain power and impact and, and often I need to kind of step back from it. You know, and 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 when I so I when when I come back to it, the novelty and and uh, effect of it is is strong again. You know, mm-hmm. um, like two thousand one, and and it's just I mean pretty much everything he's done. Um, but yeah, I would say that this was one of the horror. This is more up my alley in terms of it's more supernatural dread and suspense rather than like. Uh, blood or you know um uh yeah there's very little blood yeah this is more of the uh you know it's unless you count the blood that gets off the elevator at the first floor although damn it i do love the thing which is pretty gross and gory but it's also kind of the thing is like as gross as you can get that's a 10 out of 10 on the grossness scale i I think part part of the thing is that it's also kind of sci-fi it's also kind of adventure along with being like mm-hmm. a suspense and a horror, you know. And um, Kurt Russell's in it. Yeah, and Kurt Russell's hair is in it. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, no, The Shining. I, I'd put The Shining at the top of my list in terms of of horror films, um, because of that kind of supernatural dread. I also just really enjoy a haunted house movie. You yeah. Know. And it's extra fun when that haunted house is a giant hotel. Hmm. I have seen this movie at least at least 10 times. Wow. And I don't know why. I guess <laughs> I guess just because it's um a really good horror movie. Mhm. Uh but this time I watched it with my 13-year-old. Ooh, fun. Yeah. yeah. And and he enjoyed it. Like he was, uh, he was of course scared by the scene with the twins, where mm-hmm. they're all, uh, "Come play with us, Danny. Come play with us." Um, and I made him not look during the whole scene with the uh, naked lady. Um, 
You have to be 14 to see this. Yeah. Don't look. Don't look. Cover your eyes. Um, but he liked it. He, th- he didn't think it was scary, but he thought it was suspenseful. Mm-hmm. I feel like and, uh, that the perfect time to see a Kubrick film is like an hour before your bedtime. Uh-oh. And, and so you're still watching it past your bedtime, and then it's you start to kind of become a little lucid, you know, because they usually mm-hmm. go like two, like two and a half hours is like the shortest like Kubrick film. I feel like they're all which pretty, is so long. long. Yeah, and the pacing is is methodical and deliberate and suspenseful, and and he does a lot. He doesn't do a lot of coverage. He does a lot of long shots, and so even if even it it's two and a half hours compared to another two and a half, it feels slow. But that's mm-hmm. but it's it's I'd say it's a good thing, you know. Um, but if you're a little sleepy and you're a little lucid, it starts to kind of become a little more dreamlike, you know. Yeah. Well, we were watching this before bed because mm-hmm. I'm a good parent. Mm-hmm. Um. All right. So we start this movie like a lot of '80s movies start with a road trip with just a car driving up a road. <laughs> I, you re- there's so much heavy lifting that the music does in this movie, mm-hmm. you know, and we get so much just foreboding and dread at the beginning with, you know, dun, 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 you know, and it's just a helicopter shot of beautiful landscape moving slowly and methodically through that gives you the sense that something is building and winding up. But if it was like a, like a, Simon and Garfunkel song it would have <laughs> just replaced out of it like during the whole sequence there's nothing inherently dreadful in the a imagery of bug driving up a street yeah of, of the imagery of like cross country driving um credit really has to be given to the music in this movie cuz it's mm-hmm. it's kind of relentless and it's always building and it's always kind of creeping around a corner and it's not really a ton of jump scares it's just like this slow moving machine of this thing just kind of continually moving down the hallway yep uh so there are title sequences in the version that i watched i don't know if that's like a director's cut thing or if that's a different cut than usual but uh did yours have that where it's like Uh, the interview yes i yeah i had that Okay, so Jack is going for an interview at the Overlook Hotel, and Mom is at home just doing her daily reading of Catcher in the Rye while chain smoking. Mm. <laughs> uh. And Danny, the little boy, has an imaginary friend named Tony. Yeah, who who is a little who's a little finger wagging boy. He's the boy that lives in his mouth. He lives in his mouth. Um. So we learned that the hotel is closed from October to May because the road is undrivable. Uh, yeah. 25 miles of road. It's just too costly. Yep. And so there's a tremendous sense of isolation that comes over you. Uh, and of course, we have to tell Jack that the old caretaker axed his whole family and then killed himself. So it's a great job. <laughs> But lots of free time, flexible so much, hours. 
so much free time. The, the hours are flexible, but they are total. Yes. Yeah. It, it's so, it's like, it's so fascinating because the imagery everyone imprints on is obviously when, you know, they're isolated and everyone's losing their mind. Mm-hmm. So fascinating to see the hotel bright and green everywhere and full of people Mm -hmm. it's it's something that you really get revisiting it again of just the stark difference yep so danny's in the bathroom talking to tony and tony's like your dad already got the job but you're not gonna like it at the hotel and he shows him the blood pouring out of the elevator yeah uh he shows him a clip show of scenes from the movie the shining yep um and it's uh, it's interesting because as the movie develops, you realize that basically it's he, you know, uh, he's got a power. It's like a psychic mm-hmm. power. Um, and I feel like, you know, it's not said in the movie, but I feel like this is just the way of his brain. Like he, there is no little boy. It's just the power inside him manifesting and kind of protecting right. him, you know? Right. Um, so I always wondered though, if, if Tony was like a ghost that was helping him. Right. Yeah. That's, that's a good question. Yeah. The movie doesn't answer that. And I'm just going off of the movie. You know, obviously this is written by Stephen King, King. who famously hated this adaptation, even though it's better than the TV movie that they made made that was more mm-hmm. faithful because mm-hmm. it's a it's a very I, I i this was a very personal story you know it's it's ultimately about <laughs> you know a, a writer because jack right. nicholson is trying to be a writer he's not really a writer he's trying to be a writer you know mm-hmm. um dealing with his family dealing with alcoholism you know and and basically cracking and losing it, you could kind of say that the whole thing is a a metaphor for Stephen King's life at a certain point, you know? Right. It, of being like the dad who feels like he his identity is more about the thing he wants to do rather than the family. Right, 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 right. What he wants to be and like they're standing in his way, obviously. Right. And, and that part of him that believes that and then the part of them that's that's fighting against that. Mm-hmm. So Danny has to be seen by a doctor because the blood getting off the elevator gave him a seizure. Mm-hmm. And then we learn from Wendy telling the doctor that a few years back, uh, Jack had uh, injured Danny accidentally, quote unquote, but like to completely dislocated his shoulder. And from that day forward, had decided to stop drinking and hadn't had drink in, what does she say, eight months or something? He's basically not been drinking. So off we go to the Overlook. We drive in the uh, um, in the bug. Uh, we get there on closing day. There's so there's so much luggage. And uh, the, the Torrances have brought so much luggage with them. He's like, did you bring your luggage? I'm like, how did they fit that all? <laughs> plus the three of them in a VW bug. I don't believe it. I don't buy it. That's part of the supernatural aspect of this movie. <laughs> there's no way they got more than one suitcase in the back of that VW. I'm sure it's explained in the book. 
I'm sure that's just that's what we'll put. Uh, we'll put an asterisk on everything that doesn't make sense for this. It was explained in the book. Uh, so they go on a tour of the hotel. There's a huge hedge maze. There's a game room where Danny sees the twins. Come play with us, Danny. Uh, they meet Dick Halloran for a tour of the kitchen. Mm-hmm. And Scatman knows- Crothers. Scatman Crothers. Gotta so love Scatman. Gotta love Scatman Crothers. Yeah. We, okay. We, we don't have to talk about it now, but we have to talk about at some point Scatman Crothers. Apartment. Uh, how, his bedroom in particular. Yes. <laughs> All right, continue. Um, so he knows that Danny has the shining and he talks to him in his mind mm-hmm. and feeds him ice cream. And they talk about how the hotel is kind of like a place and some places shine and some places don't. Mm-hmm. And uh, he says, there's something bad here in room 237. You're scared of it. And he's like, I'm not scared of it, but don't you ever go in room 237. Yeah. This yeah, this story could have just been a haunted house story. But by adding in the shining, by adding in this ability that the kid has, and then saying that this exists in the world, it's now adding a whole new dimension to the story, you know? Mm-hmm. You're not it's not just them you know, um, jumping at scarers. It's also this, this, this kind of, you know, uh, this window of the supernatural world that kind of then, um, you know, lets him, you know, it's like we have the kid freaking out, knowing what's going to happen, but also us freaking out at what the kid's going through and having that part of us as an adult Saying, what's wrong with my kid? You know? Yeah. Um, and and it it could have they could have been it could have been too much, but instead they totally complement each other and and add to each other. Mm-hmm. There's also a lot of tricycle riding in this movie. It's a very trike heavy movie. Mm-hmm. When we come back, uh, it's one month later, and Danny is just riding his little tricycle. How did they get the tricycle up there? It was in the it was in the book. It was explained in the book. Okay. Uh, he's riding his trike all around. Mom brings Jack breakfast, uh, and Jack talks about how he fell in love with the place from the moment he saw it. He just knew it was going to be around every corner, and he just knew this was the place for him. It was the place he needed to be. But he's sleeping until like eleven thirty in the morning. Uh, Mom and Danny are exploring. They go in the maze. Jack just wanders around. It's Tuesday. Wendy cooks. Danny rides around. Jack types. Danny finds room 237. Yeah. We're, we're already building mystery and suspense around room 237. Because yep. as we all the audience knows, that's where the the zombies from Ready Player One live. Right, exactly. Uh, Thursday, it's snowy. Wendy and Danny scamper around in the snow. Jack just stares out the window. Saturday, Jack types. Wendy tries the phone, and uh, the phones aren't working, so she has Mm -hmm. to use the radio to call the Rangers. Yeah, at this point, like, Shelley Duvall, (laughs) I feel like, is actually doing all the work. Yeah, you know, she is. like he, like he, you know, uh, Jack is 
just now treating this like I don't remember him ever doing any of the the actual like maintenance and work. No, like he's never checking the boilers, which is a big part of it, right? Because like mm. in the in the book, the overlook like blows up or something because of the boilers. Mm, obviously. Or something to do with like uh, him needing to check the boilers and uh, they don't show him doing it. But uh, Wendy is doing it, of course. <laughs> yep. Mom. So Danny encounters the twins and they show him uh, themselves being all axed up. Uh, and she, they're like, come play with us, Danny. Come play with us. Yeah, so the 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 home is the the <laughs> oh, he skipped over. It's like when he's getting the tour of the overlook from the the manager. It's like, oh yeah, they tell us it's buried on an Indian burial ground. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> whatever. So it's is this the beginning of the whole like Indian burial ground thing? Is it just this movie and then Poltergeist? Well, I think that was enough to make the trope happen. Yeah. And then it became a thing. Everything's on an Indian burial ground. Seems like a a bad move. Yeah, don't bury things where thing or don't build things where things are buried. Yeah, I mean, I mean, even even non Indian burial grounds, it's just a bad move. Yeah, any any burial ground, stay away. Uh, so it's Wednesday. Danny's playing with his cars and a ball rolls up. The door to 237 is open. Jack is having nightmares. He's like in his little writing room being like, oh, oh, no. And uh, Wendy comes to help him. And he's like, I had a dream that I killed you and Danny. (laughs) Yeah. At this point, things are now starting to get intense. Yeah. We had a lot of slow dread. Um, we had a lot of like dreams. A lot of the stuff could be explained one way or another that it's in people's minds. Uh, but now it starts to get very, you know, the, the dread and supernatural claws start to hook into them. And yep. and Jack in particular starts uh, becoming unhinged. Well, so Danny has wandered into 237 and he comes wandering back into the writing room, which is the hotel lobby with, and he's all like dazed and he's sucking his thumb and he has a hurt neck. And she's like, who did this to you? You did this to him. And she immediately accuses Jack, mm-hmm. which is an inciting incident. It's going to make yes. him really mad at her. It's understandable. Yep. Uh, Jack wanders around and he wanders into the gold room where he hallucinates a bartender. Or does he? Or does he or doesn't he? Yeah. Anyway, he finds a bartender who serves him drinks and mm-hmm. he sort of goes a little crazy. Mm-hmm. And and the bartender is Tyrell, Mr. Tyrell from uh, Blade Runner. Ah, very nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and I and I, I think this is well. It's that's the question: is it a hallucination or or is it ghosts? Like, are ghosts a hallucination? Are right. they influencing his mind, or are they actually there? Like, could they be photographed? You know, I guess mm-hmm. that's the difference. If they're in your mind, if they're affecting the world, you know, 
Well, are they giving him booze or not? Yeah. Like, is he getting drunk on the booze that they're giving him? Right. Is he actually drinking alcohol? Because uh, there's no alcohol in the whole joint. They um, pulled it all out so they didn't have to pay for their liquor license during the downtime. So Wendy comes in to find him and she's like, okay, there's a crazy woman in the hotel. I no longer believe that you hurt Danny, but there's a crazy woman in the hotel. Mm-hmm. Um, we cut to Dick Halloran watching the news and this is where we get to talk about his apartment. Yeah, so the <laughs> Scatman Crothers. Um, so, so, <laughs> so, so wonderful. Uh, yeah, he's got basically uh, two paintings, one on either wall. Of of naked uh, African goddesses, you know, with huge afros and like their boobies out, and they're just resplendent. It's it's wonderful. He's got a pretty <laughs> swinging place. Like when we see the rest of yeah. the place, it's pretty nice. He's in Florida. Yeah, uh, yeah. So apparently, he lives in Miami in the off time, and I just yeah, I, he's yeah, he's a swinging cat. I dig it. It's great. It's a great touch. Yes. So he's getting visions uh, that something is not right at the Overlook Hotel. And he's trying to get a hold of them, but he can't because the phones are down. Meanwhile, Jack is investigating room 237. He finds a naked lady who climbs out of the bathtub and like they go to Smooch City. And then she disintegrates into a disgusting... uh, um, old woman who is like all ulcerated and and saggy and falling apart. It's it's probably the scariest part of the whole movie. Would you say? Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's it's definitely the grossest part. It's really when the house is letting its freak flag fly. You know, yeah. Like it's it's not. It's now being overt. You know, and I think it's it's the mom who was who was killed. That that was the that was the British mom who was killed, like the two oh. twins. That's my belief. Uh, it doesn't say, but the mo- but there was a mom who was killed. Mm-hmm. But you know, as we later find out, there are there were many deaths in this household. I mean, in in this hotel, you know, it wasn't just the one that they gave him a heads up on, you know, because as Shelley Duvall is running around the hotel later. There's a whole bunch of freaky stuff going on and people with with head wounds and and things like that. So that this was a <laughs> this was a persistent issue here at the hotel. Yeah. yeah. Their their little sign that says how many days it's been since they had an incident and it never gets past 100. <laughs> yeah. Um but they they said 237 that was where the the previous, not the previous caretaker, a past caretaker butchered his family, right? I don't, do they, do they actually say that? I don't think that they actually say that. But he, he, he said, he recognized 237 when someone brought it up. So he knew the number, didn't he? Jack did? Yeah. I don't think so. We've only seen this film <laughs> like 10 times. Yeah. <laughs> I think you're right. I think it's the mom. Yeah. And she was just having a tub when he killed her. Yeah. If she had talked, 
then we would have known. Mm-hmm. Because it turns out that that he meets the previous caretaker. Yes. Um, but he comes back and says there's nothing in 237. And Wendy's like, we got to get out of here. We got to get him out of here. And she's and he's like, we can't get out of here. I have obligations. Um, we agreed to stay. Mm-hmm. Which so I get. Th- I get that, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we, we knew it was going to be no fun. His sense of honor is is triumphing his fear. Yes. And his sense of needing the party then triumphs everything because he goes back to the gold room and finds a whole big party going on there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's when he meets uh, the uh, Delbert Grady, the previous caretaker, who spills drinks on him. They, so they go to the restroom to clean it up. Right. And he's like, you were the caretaker here, uh, Mr. Grady, and you axed your whole family. And he's like, no, you've always been the caretaker here. You've always been here. Yep. Grady tells Jack that Danny is calling for Halloran using his brain powers. Mm-hmm. They unfortunately use the N-word several times. Mm-hmm. It feels like the ghost was a racist. Yeah. And, and it feels like when Jack said it, that he felt uncomfortable repeating the word. But maybe that's just me imprinting, you know. Maybe. I feel like I feel like really we had a racist ghost. Yeah. You know? The movie is obviously I mean, Scatman Crothers is probably the best character in the movie. So it's obviously yeah. not a racist movie. You know. Um But the ghost is a racist. Yeah, the ghost was racist. Oh man. So uh, we get this is where the famous red rum scene comes in. So Grady is like, you have to correct them. (laughs) They need to be corrected. You're not correcting them enough. And uh, we cut to Danny, who's like, red rum, red rum, red rum with his little Mm -hmm. like finger thing. And he's like, Danny's not here anymore, Mrs. Torrance. Red rum, red rum, red rum. There's there's so. There's so many iconic moments in this movie that, like, I feel like people, even if they hadn't seen The Shining, that have just kind of trickled down and become part of pop culture, you know? Mm-hmm. So the red rum is obvious, is obvious to see. And I feel like <laughs> half of these things have, have appeared in The Simpsons at some point. Of course. Know? The Simpsons yeah. does a beautiful uh, parody of The Shining mm-hmm. called The Shinin. The Shinnin. All right. Yeah. Um, you've got obviously the creepy twins, you know. Yep. Things uh you've got I feel like the all work and no play moment. Which is um, coming up. Which is coming up is is definitely the he the here's Johnny thing peeking through mm-hmm. the, the cracks. Um yeah, I think obviously and that, that blood was elevator. That, blood elevator, yes, that's odd. Usually the blood gets off on the second floor. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> the here's Johnny thing was something that Rocket didn't understand because he obviously didn't understand the Johnny Carson reference. And he's like, his name is Jack. Why is he saying here's Johnny? And I was mm-hmm. like, oh, it's a reference to a TV show. Uh, he didn't get that, but it's still famous and iconic. Mm-hmm. So tell me more about Rocket's experience watching this movie. 
he he liked it. He was creeped out by it. He was like, oh, he kept trying to guess what was going to happen. And he was like, oh, those twins are going to be around the corner. Oh, like the, the ghosts are going to be around the corner. Oh, you know, this is mm-hmm. what's going to happen next. This is what's going to happen next. And so he kept trying to guess what was going to happen. And he really loved it. He was blown away when we got to the part where Wendy finds the book that Jack's been writing mm-hmm. and it just says over and over again all work and no play makes Jack a dull boy and he was just like his mind was blown he was like what what he wrote a whole book and it just says all work and no play makes Jack a dull boy oh he's crazy oh that's awesome yeah it's and the thing one of the things that makes that really work is that it's 1980 like they probably filmed it in 1979 so someone had to type all that out on a typewriter, you know, yep. and, and there's, and the, one of the things that makes that sequence work so well is that she just keeps going and keeps going. And, and part of you is just thinking about no one puts in that much work to make, <laughs> to do a scene like this. Someone mm-hmm. had to be typing that for, for like a week, you know, cause they're all formatted differently. It's formatted. Like it's a real book, but it just says all work and no plays. Jack makes Jack a dull boy. And some of them are formatted weirdly, but like you can tell, yeah, that was a PA's job. Yeah. It's like, it's like 20 or 30 pages and we just mm-hmm. stay on it. This is when they have a big fight. She's got a bat cause she's worried about the crazy lady who's there at the hotel. But now all of a sudden she's worried about Jack. Uh, and this is like the iconic scene of like, give me the bat. Give me the bat. I'm mm-hmm. not going to hurt you. I'm just going to bash your brains in. Uh-huh. And it's one of the, uh, it's a Kubrick thing, but just this movie does so well is that it just, it doesn't cut away. It just stays on the, it keeps on a shot and you're unable to escape the shot. There's, you know, cutting creates energy, but it also kind of like cutting to another shot also creates safety. You know, yeah. that you're able to escape a moment and reset and see something else. And there's part of you that wants to cut away for that safety, you know? Yeah. But oh, when yeah. you're when you're stuck in a shot of him coming up the stairs and you see in the foreground of her waving a bat at you, you just start to build more and more tension, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, the The danger of these long shots is that it gets boring, but the the... The power of these long shots is that it just gets more tense. And Jack Nicholson is so unhinged that it's like uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The um, you know, I I I so like Jack Nicholson and, and Shelley Duvall, obviously <laughs> this was a difficult movie to make. And I feel like they deserve more credit than they've probably given. Like I feel like a lot of the credit for this movie goes to Kubrick. You know, mm-hmm. and I think that Nicholson and Duvall really deserve a lot more credit than they've been given for making this movie work. Yep, especially poor Shelley Duvall. <laughs> yeah, but I, I, yeah, I think for for both of them that this movie was just intensely difficult to make. Yeah. So she bonks him on the head and hides him in the storage room, which I'm like, okay, that's great. It's got a lock, but like that's where all your food is. So if you can't get out of here today, you're going to have to let him out. <laughs> well, they still got a freezer full of meat, so they're going to have to go full, just full meat. Just full, only frozen meat. Mm-hmm. No sides. 
the title card says it's 4 p.m. Jack is having a nice nap in some piles of salt. Delbert Grady comes and makes fun of him. Mm-hmm. I love looking on the in the storage, like on the shelves of all the old. It's like all the old types of food that you used to eat, like in the eighties or whatever that your your grandma had, like in yeah. the cupboard. Like it's like nil- pickles and Nilla wafers and like I didn't see, I didn't see them, but something like fig newtons and and things like that, you know. So there's something in the like, uh, so there's a whole documentary called Room 237, which is all about like conspiracy theories surrounding this movie. (laughs) And Mm -hmm. one of them is that like, it's about uh, uh, stealing the land from the Native Americans because you can see a can that has a like a Native American uh, uh, icon on it, smoking Mm -hmm. a pipe. And mm-hmm. they're like, that's a reference to stealing the land from the Native Americans. And it's like, okay, is it? I don't think so. I feel like building, <laughs> I, I feel rather than it being a thesis, um, I think that people were just casual about <laughs> yeah. appropriating. And it's like, you know, they the whole lobby was full of, of Navajo and Apache art and very, you know, putting it on an Indian burial ground. I feel like it was just casual racism yeah you know, rather than <laughs> a consequence of it you know of, mm-hmm. of the things that happen but yeah I, I i feel like if i had to explain within the what the world tells me of what happened is that it's not that it was an indian burial ground it's that it was a burial ground and so yeah and and you know Scatman is talking about how you know, people have history, places have history, they have like psychic energy, you know, and so this is a place that just a lot of pain and a lot of death have happened and it's, it just grows, it just has more power the more people that yeah. that, that get sucked into it. And so it's effectively a force of energy, you know. Right, a force of energy, and then like you leave one family in there for six months, and like with just the wom 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 wom, all get centered around them, mm-hmm. and you got one psychic little boy, and then you're in trouble. Yeah. So there's more red rum, red rum. Uh, oh, so here's a, a argument as to whether or not the ghosts are real. They let him out. Yes. So it, that's our that's our proof that the ghosts are real. Yeah. Because they're able to physicalize and do something. I mean, you can you can you can say that it was all in his mind that he was drinking fake alcohol and he was walking through a party that he had fake liquid spilled on him, you know, that it's just mm-hmm. in his mind. But the moment they were able to open a door like a velociraptor, then at that point they're real. Yep. And so here he comes, the chop, chop, chopping. He chops his way through the bathroom. Danny gets away out the bathroom window, but Shelly Duvall is trapped. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's the he- here's Johnny scene. Yeah. And he killed Scatman Crothers. Yep. Spoiler Chuck, alert. Uh, who comes in a snowcat. So he, he flies all the way from Miami, rents a snowcat, drives all the way up. And then immediately, as soon as he comes in, he's like, hello, axe in the chest. <laughs> uh-huh. Uh-huh. So, I have so many regrets. <laughs> uh, they're all running around. They're being chased. Uh, Jack has an axe. 
she's she's running around. She's hearing chanting. She's seeing skeletons. She sees a furry doing some nefarious deeds in one of the rooms. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So at at this point, we're really kind of letting it all loose and and saying that it's not just this one family. It's this whole place. Yep. Wendy sees more skeletons. She sees the blood elevator. Uh, Jack is now chasing Danny through the hedge maze. Danny smartly steps backwards through his footprints for a long Mm. way and hides, which means he's able to escape the hedge maze. Danny and Wendy get in the snowcat and they get going and Jack just stays lost in the hedge maze. And that's where he freezes to death. And then we see he's in a photo from 1921. And this, my son was like, what the heck? How is he in that picture from 1921? That's right. That's right, 13-year-old. How is he in the picture from 1921? I don't know. What do you think? He's always been here. But he hasn't. It's supernatural. That's the whole point. So every time there's been a caretaker, it's been Jack. No. No? The ghosts can use Photoshop. Okay. Well, I think that he once he died, he got sucked into the past and became one of the ghosts. Yeah, it's it's obviously it transcends normal reality. Um I wish they would have had the other people that we had seen in the photo. Um appear. Yeah. Oh well, not appear, all- but they're Oh, like Delbert Grady is one of them, and yeah, the bartender yeah. is one of them, and the furry is one of them. Yeah, so I'll have to get. I'll have to knock that down a grade just because of that. But, yeah, uh, that's that's the way it goes. So that's The Shining. How do you rate it? And like, are you rating uh, yeah. it as a Kubrick film? Are you rating it as an right. '80s film? Are you rating it as a, a horror mm-hmm. film? Mm-hmm. What are your thoughts? Yeah, it's a tough one. You know, um, I'm 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 gonna have to rate it pretty pretty high. Um, I rate yeah. it pretty high. Yeah. I, I I give it an eight. I think I'm gonna have to give it a nine, even. Okay. And 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 it's not that you know it's like you put it up against nine other nines, and some are like way more rewatchable, and this is more. Um, like, I feel like the pinnacle of a type of movie, you know, mm-hmm. you know, like in terms of horror or horror sup- suspense or supernatural horror, you know, I guess it would be the category. Um, yeah, I just don't feel like it gets any better than this. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and and Rocket enjoyed it. I kept waiting for him to get bored and say he didn't want to watch it anymore and then to finish right. it on my own. But like he, he was like in it to win it. That's good. He's not like where are all the creepy speed ramped n- nuns with like dark, you know, eyes and CGI mouths and things like that. But nope. And I kept asking him, I was like, are we still watching this? Are you still into it? And he's like, yeah, I want to see what happens. Cool. Good, I'm glad. He, yeah. So and so I think it holds up, you know. It, I think it holds mm-hmm. up for uh, the next generation in a way that, like, you don't have to necessarily say, oh, this is a movie of the 80s. It belongs in the 80s. I think it's kind of timeless. Mm, 
good. Uh, yeah, I think one thing is that it, it it's very straightforward. It's very simple. It's not there's not a lot of subplots. It's not that we cut off to here. Like it's kind of relentlessly moving forward. Yeah, but it's also like there's so many like conspiracy theories about this movie and like <laughs> weird rabbit holes that you can go down about this movie. Like there is that mm-hmm. whole documentary Room 237 where like people are like this is about the moon landing and like <laughs> his little Apollo 11 sweater proves it and this is about, you know, all this like really really crazy stuff. Um I heard once that that people did a screening of it where they played it backwards and forwards at the same time. Mm-hmm. Which I don't understand what that's about, but like there's a lot of uh, uh, hoopla about this movie. If it keeps well. them out of trouble. <laughs> so you give it a nine. Yeah, I think I'm going to have to give it a nine. I, I would put this in my top five of, of horror films. And okay. that would be of like, favorite horror films like if i had to go with like what is the most well crafted then it'd be higher but i would put it i would definitely put it in the in the top five i feel okay i think that's great i i think Mm -hmm. it belongs it belongs up there for sure Mm -hmm. um and definitely in terms of being a classic um awesome do you have a deep cut recommendation well um yeah so i mean it, so it's not this, but we we should talk about that. There, that there's a sequel to this movie called Doctor um, Sleep. Yeah, Doctor Sleep, which is very different, but also very much. Um, it's I probably I don't know. It's probably based more off of the book. It is, but it uses the imagery of the movie, which is good. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, no. So so that's it. That would be an interesting direction to go. Mine would be more. I mean, honestly, like if you really enjoyed the the style and the pace of this movie, I would explore more of Kubrick's films, you know, okay. especially like 2001. But if I had to kind of go deeper in terms of in the in the direction of kind of a lucid experience, if you dug the idea of feeling like there was a certain dreamlike quality and again recommending this when you're a little sleepy <laughs> yeah when 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 you're kind of letting it in through and you're dropping your guard and letting it kind of exist um there's a great movie um that's also very dreamlike obviously because it's called dreams okay um but it's it, the full title is Akira Kurosawa's Dreams okay um and so this is a movie that was made in the 90s by uh, the legendary Japanese filmmaker, Akira Kurosawa. Uh, not a ton of people are into this movie because it's basically like 10 short stories, but they're all basically dreams. Okay. They're not, it's not like the the through line is, is that they're effectively... They themselves, each little story is a dream and you can conceive that it's the dream from the same person or the dream, the dream of the filmmaker himself, you know, Mm -hmm. but there's a similar quality of, 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 of a lucid experience, you know, and, and some of them are, are nightmares or some of them are just existential issues. I wouldn't consider it scary at all. 
you know, this okay. is much more of an uh, an art film or a foreign film. But um, yeah, Kurosawa has done a lot of cool um, cinema, The Seven Samurai, Yojimbo, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. which which have been adapted into things like The Magnificent Seven and A Fistful of Dollars, which people recognize. But um, yeah, I'd, I'd recommend Akira Kurosawa's Dreams. Uh, that's a great recommendation. I also went with something that was like just had the same mood, I think. And so I tried to pick uh, a horror movie I'd seen recently that gave me that same like creepy foreboding feeling. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I want to recommend a movie called The Night House. Mm. Did you see it? No, no. It's just a. It's pretty creepy. Uh, it's about a lady who lives in a house and she finds a house across the lake that's the exact uh, yeah. same as her house, but in reverse. Mm-hmm. This is with uh, Rebecca Hall. Yes. Okay, cool. And it's just a little creepy and moody. So I wanted to recommend that as like another horror movie that's not necessarily like jump scares around every corner, but it's like creepy and there's something supernatural there. But is it real or is it not? Uh, mm-hmm. So that's my deep cut recommendation. Cool. Yeah. So uh, here's the cool thing is that now on our uh, page on True Story FM, it's got uh, links, dynamic links in uh, all of our uh, show notes to where you can find both Nathan and I out in the real world. Um, you can find me, of course, at the Neighborhood Comedy Theater in downtown Mesa, Arizona. And if you want a link to that, just go to the show notes on True Story FM. Uh, Nathan, what will people find if they want to try and find Squishy Studios and your latest work? Yeah, so um, uh, the latest thing that Squishy Studios has done um, is uh, our, our low-budget um, our feature film, The Last Movie Ever Made, which is currently playing at film festivals. Um, and we're destroying be... and winning awards left, <laughs> right, and sideways. Oh, yeah. uh, um, and so we're we're uh, up, we're coming up. We're going to be playing at Film Quest and uh, the Twin Cities Film Festival um, uh, in October. Um, and so, and I think it's late October. So hopefully, this will be out uh, in time. But uh, to a lot of these film festivals, there's an online portion to it so even if you're not in minnesota or if you're not in utah for film quest it's possible um to i so i would check the 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 web the uh, the film fests themselves so film quest and twin cities film festival that there's a way that you can actually during the film festival watch the movie online if you buy a ticket so awesome um, so it is possible if you're in other parts of the country you can see our movie the last movie ever made Awesome. And you should definitely do that. Um, Thank you so much for listening. If you want a little bit more content, me and Nathan are just going to have a little chat after uh, the pod. Uh, You can get that by signing up to be a member at True Story FM on any of the pages uh, for any of the pods on the page for this pod on just the general page. Uh, You'll see links there to click to become a member. It's just $5 a month and you can get all the bonus content and you can get the episodes a week early. Exciting. Um, Thank you so much for listening. Uh, When you're out there in the world, please keep the most excellent 80s movies motto in mind. Be excellent to each other and party Party on, on, dudes. dudes.